District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to cfact.org. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. Super excited to publish my next conversation for you all today. Thrilled to have Ava Flanell, a firearms instructor, multi-hyphenate, join us on the podcast today. A few months ago, I went on her podcast called Gun Funny and shared my story, and I was finally able to connect with her again a second attempt and publish her remarks with me here on District of Conservation. But if you want a quick bio, here's a little few fun factoids about Ava. So Ava's from Colorado. She owns Elite Firearms and Training. She has been a firearms instructor for nearly 10 years. She worked for the New York Yankees, believe it or not, and she'll recount that story and how she made the move from sports to firearms industry. She recently testified before the Colorado State Legislature about some very bad assortment of bills to restrict Coloradans' rights to own and keep arms lawfully. Colorado, if you guys don't know, hasn't really been a historically anti-gun state, but since the metro areas of Denver and Colorado Springs have exploded, it's led to more and more people removed from the sporting heritage to kind of vote and define the policy there. So she is fighting tirelessly and kind of stepped out of her comfort zone to go testify. And we talk about current events following different policies federally and why people even in not so gun friendly states need to be involved. I urge you to connect with her on social media, find all of the links to her business, her social media accounts in the show notes. And I'll let Ava take it away from here. Ava, welcome to the program. It's good to have you on this side of the microphone. It was so much fun going on your podcast. Now I'm glad you can come on mine and, and share what you do with my listeners. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Why don't you introduce yourself for those unfamiliar with you and your work? Sure. So my name is Ava Flanell, and I've been in the industry now for 10 years. I became a firearms instructor 10 years ago. I also have the podcast called Gun Funny, which I'm going on about five and a half years. I write for magazines and blogs. I am an investor of two gun stores. Um, and then my firearms business is called Elite Firearms and Training. And then I'm also really active on social media and have a YouTube channel as well, which is just under my name, Ava Flanell. I really loved hearing about your backstory in previous conversations we had. How did you segue from your previous career in a separate industry into the gun industry? What what led you to decide to jump in? So um, previously, when I turned 18, I went to school in New York City. I went to Fordham University, graduated in three years with a degree in English and communications. And then I also started working for the New York Yankees, where I started off in sales, ended up in legal and finance. And then, so, I mean, if you told me back then that I'd be doing what I'm doing, I'd be like, oh, I don't think so. Um, I was raised around guns. My parents did own a gun store and a gun range growing up, but it was just one of those things that I wasn't really interested in. And if anything, I don't know. I just, I, I really had no desire. It's not like I hated guns, but I just, I was very girly and didn't really have much of an interest. And 11 years ago, um, well, almost to 11 years ago in, in June, it'll be 11 years. Um, my mom, who's a firearms instructor, we were recording a TV show, a TV pilot. 
and it was based around my parents' business. And unfortunately, on the last day that we were filming, um, something horrible happened and she died like right in front of me. And so I left what I built up in New York city for the last eight years, moved back to Colorado, which is where I'm from. And it's where my family's business is. And just dedicated myself to learning as much as I possibly could about firearms. Um, even, you know, like even just getting guns from distributors, logging them in, you know, selling them, logging them out, uh, what different guns do, what calibers there are, stuff like that. And because I was just determined to keep, you know, what my mom worked hard for, I was determined to keep that business afloat. I was, my dad didn't really know what he was doing. He was more of the face of, of the business. And then my mom was kind of the brains behind the operation. And then I would say probably six months in, I was like, you know what? I noticed there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of instructors that uh, were female. In fact, at the time I didn't know any, and there wasn't a lot of resources in general for women if they wanted to learn more about the fire, about firearms, which is what I wanted to do. So I decided to become a firearms instructor and, um, at that time when I took my firearms class, you know, it was through the NRA, um, I didn't really have a ton of knowledge. Thankfully I learned very quickly. And, um, I want to note that the week before my mom passed away on camera, she taught me how to shoot, which was really intimidating because not only am I shooting a gun for the first time, but I have cameras in my face and my mom, you know, could only give me like a quick rundown of like, okay, this is what you're going to do. And, uh, I remember at the time I couldn't even, you know, rack the slide on a freaking gun. It was kind of a shit show. And, uh, but I, I was really accurate. So she, she did give me a lot of good tips and right off from the bat, you know, I was really accurate. Um, but when I took my instructor test, you know, it was, it was still kind of intimidating because it was so new for me. And then from there, I just took a bunch of other classes and gained a bunch of NRA credentials. And even now, 10 years later, I'm actually, uh, this Monday taking the USCCA instructor class just because it's something that I think it's good to have, but that's how I started. And so if anything, I think it makes me, um, I can relate more to newer shooters because it wasn't something that, you know, I started shooting at the age of five and I was kind of afraid of guns. And so just having these women or even guys come into my classroom and just sharing that with them, I think it makes them, it puts them a lot more at ease. But then there was also a lot of things that I couldn't do initially starting off. Like, you know, loading the magazine was really difficult, especially if it was a brand new magazine. Nobody told me about a freaking speed loader, uh, racking the slide initially really hard, but there's techniques where you don't have, you know, you don't need that upper body strength as long as you know, kind of that technique. And so sharing that stuff like that, I think it makes me a better instructor and it's able to, you know, put my, my personal experiences and apply that to teaching them. Very well-rounded, of course. And yeah, and you can learn a lot and become a subject matter expert in 10 years. And I really love enjoying your stuff. We haven't officially connected in real life yet, but I've really enjoyed your stuff online because you actually put in the work, put in the grit, you're teaching newbies, especially in a place like Colorado that isn't so friendly to guns as it used to be. And what is your kind of your view of the firearms industry right now? Are we making gains? I know you're reaching a lot of new people, people who would never pick up a gun. Most likely you hear this all across the country, but what is your examination into where things are now? More people are interested. Uh, there's been the Supreme Court liberalizing the ability for you to get a concealed carry permit, yet there's still obstacles from very stubborn states. What, what is your whole thinking of what's going on as an instructor and someone vested in this industry so much? 
Well, so in 2020, obviously, I think that was a really busy time for anybody in the gun industry, whether you were selling guns, teaching guns, you know, any of that. And we gained a ton of new uh, gun owners. And, you know, I think through statistics, it's shown that they're not necessarily right, you know, right leaning. If anything, some of them, you know, are more towards the left. But um, so I think, you know, it's important. We have gained a lot of new shooters and stuff, but it's important to keep that momentum going. And I think initially what started it was, you know, it was fear of the unknown, everything that was going on in 2020, even 2021 wasn't as great. And we're starting to, you know, see a little bit of normalcy, but we're still not completely there. But I think it's important to keep that momentum going and to, you know, if, if nothing else, like right now, I will say that our, you know, our gun rights are extremely in jeopardy. And I know that people, a lot of organizations, we've, you know, we've been saying this for years that like, oh, it's the worst time ever where our gun laws, you know, they're passing left and right and they're taking away our second amendment rights and stuff like that. But I do kind of stand pretty firm in saying that like right now more than ever, it's so important to get active and, you know, take charge and, even if it's just at a very local level or at a level where your neighbor, maybe they don't really care for guns and you're just like, Hey, that's cool. Maybe just go to the range with me. Like, let me just show you how to shoot. If nothing else, just shoot five rounds and I'll leave you alone after that. Um, I've also, you know, I recently just started a women's seminar, which has been a really good way to get more women involved in the people that are coming to my classrooms are people that have never shot a gun before. And it's just people like my eyelash lady, like, yes, I have fake eyelashes. Um, the lady who does my hair, you know, just people that I see pretty regularly and I'm like, Hey, I'm teaching a women's seminar. You know, there's going to be food and wine just come, you know, it's just, it's literally just a seminar and I just want to teach you guys about guns and they end up joining and then they tell their friends and it's been a really great way to get more people on board and to educate them. Because I think if anything, if any, if anyone's going to change minds or open up, you know, open up their mind, it's, it's going to be on the education level and also taking away that fear. And I think that fear right now is determining a lot of our politics, which it shouldn't, it should be more rational thinking, but, um, by, you know, just educating new people and even all those new people, they obviously need training. A lot of them haven't taken the time to get training. They buy the gun, maybe they load it, maybe they don't, they put it up in their closet and they're safe and they never touch it again. Like some people have never even shot their gun. They've had it for months or if not years. So yeah, all of that stuff, you know, but I, I think that it's really important to be uh, active more than ever, whether it's on a local level, national level getting into, you know, getting involved in politics and, and such. Before I have you talk about some recent testimony you delivered in your state capitol, you've been following and, and documenting and posting very at length in your social media about the different regulatory changes that are coming to different firearms components. Why are those and following those so in, important in your view? Because a lot of people may be overwhelmed. I don't know if newbies have the aptitude yet to absorb, let's say, pistol brace regulations or 80% receivers, things of that sort. But why is it important to even care about that coming down the pike, you think? So right now, the reason why I've been posting it is because if, unless you're in the gun industry, I've noticed just by teaching a lot of people that come through my classroom and I'll bring up, you know, let's say everything that's going on with the brace ban right now. And what's crazy is a lot of these people, they bought AR pistols that has a brace on it and they have no idea that this is even going, you know, that this is going to, that them by owning this, 
you know, in a very short period of time is going to turn them into a criminal unless they act on it. The problem is, is a lot of people, unless you're in the industry, you don't know what's going on. That's like me working for Microsoft and I'm like, hey, you know, have you heard about what's happening with Apple? Unless you're in that industry, you don't really know what's going on. And so it's really important, again, for me to educate people and let them know that, like, if nothing else, you need to act and you need to do something, whether it's take this brace off, register it as an SBR, which I'm not a big fan of, or any of that stuff. But overnight, you're going to become a criminal just because you legally purchased something and we're doing everything, you know, in accordance. Um, but I, I think, you know, as far as like things that are happening right now, the anti-gun groups are definitely coming at us from all ends. And it's not just with bills being passed, but even with credit card companies, which thankfully now we're starting to see fizzle out. But even for a while, I mean, credit card companies, they wanted to make a specific code that if you you know made a transaction at a gun store, it would come up as a certain code. And so it's like they're trying to come at us from all angles and hurt us on every level so that our industry is, you know, essentially just they're trying to put us out of business and bankrupt us. Yeah, those MCC codes, we'll do more of an examination here on the podcast into what those changes meant. It didn't even happen uh, regulatory, but they would have adopted a regulatory framework responding to Visa and MasterCard. But that was so smart of them. I hope that it was due to the backlash and, and the blowback that they were getting from these asinine proposals because of just how sensitive banking information is and, and how it actually won't stop one crime. <laughs> they may have mm-hmm. these codes. It's it's not going to be known like with every gun control policy that it'll stop no crime. Um, it's just mm-hmm. a, a feel good gesture and just to stop lawful business. It would hurt people like you who train people and and sell product. It would hurt everyone all across the board. So I think they recognize that we're targeting the wrong people here. This won't stop one crime involving firearms. And let's hopefully, you know, anticipate that they don't reconsider this. Yeah. I mean, not to mention it's just dumb because if you're at a gun store, you're obviously doing a background check. Exactly. You know, it's this isn't like these people who, again, are law abiding citizens. That is not the people that they need to be focusing on. Exactly. Yeah. It's just a distraction from the greater issue. And then when they continue to restrict people and preaching to the choir, of course, it, it really doesn't do anything. It just to, it's just an effort to criminalize would be gun owners and existing gun owners. Uh, there. And and I don't think I have to worry so much about the regulations, you know, in Virginia so much or anything federally. I don't have an SBR, but I did just build my first AR-15. It's all lawfully compliant. I can use it to hunt big game in Virginia. But I wonder if heaven forbid they even want, I mean, they want to crack down on AR-15. So would I retro, retroactively be prohibited? Uh, would they come for my gun, even though I did the FFL, the transfer stuff for my lowers, uh, constructed it, it's fully compliant. Would they say, okay, we're going to pass an assault weapons ban, so-called assault weapons ban. And then it gets into this periphery of having to be banned. So that's where I will have to be worried. But even for things, and I think the listener should take away that even if you're not directly affected, your friends may be from these rules that are being handed down from the ATF or these even private and even global entities. I think the idea of the MCC code came from like some sort of global banking some outfit that doesn't even have jurisdiction over our laws and they were pressuring Visa and MasterCard to do this. So even these kind of external uh, entities, which claim to be for free markets, which are not, are coming in and influencing there. So I want to move to, you know, staying engaged. 
even in states that are not as friendly to gun rights. You live obviously in Colorado, Denver's the capital. You just presented before the state legislature. Talk about that experience and why you decided to step up and do that. So I wish that I actually took more of, you know, more political action um, sooner. And I think it's because, you know, I, I'm from Colorado, I'm a native, and Colorado's always been a gun-friendly state up until a few years ago. And now it's like we're, you know, it, but I think a lot of people have gotten very complacent. And that's why, if nothing else, I want to tell people like you who are in, you know, quote unquote, like safer states, Wyoming, Texas, that I don't think that there is a safe state. And I don't think that anybody should be complacent. I think we all need to be a lot more active. We can't rely on these organizations to, you know, represent us, especially because some of them don't even show up or they're just lining their own pockets with the funds that we're donating. But I also, more importantly, I think more than ever, there's going to be a lot of power in numbers. And that's why I decided to go to the state capitol. It was just like two days ago and testify against it, SB 23, 168, 169, and 170. And they all are, you know, different. It was increasing red flag laws, uh, raising the minimum age for buying a long gun to 21. It's currently 18. And then also uh, holding retailers and manufacturers liable if it's used in a crime, if a firearm that they made or sold is used in a crime, which is extremely ridiculous. But it's really important to get up and, you know, and, and, and let me backtrack. So I knew going into this, showing up and, um, and basically, you know, testifying in front of these senators that it was regardless, all three bills were probably going to get passed because of all of the senators that, you know, sat on this committee. They, they were all uh, with the exception of two anti-gun, but it's still, I think, important to show up and, you know, show face, uh, again, power in numbers. And if nothing else, just, you know, tell them that they're against this because in situations like this, where, um, there's a lot of people that are in favor of it and very few people show up against it, it just kind of solidifies like, Oh, good. Well, this is, these are the people that essentially are probably voting for me that are active. And so if I want to remain in office for another X amount of years, this is, you know, how I should sway. Um, but there was a lot of things that I kind of want to talk about that when I showed up for this testimony, and this was my first time and it was extremely eye-opening. And so one, just signing up to testify, it was a little confusing. It wasn't as easy. Um, I would not have been notified if it wasn't for Rocky Mountain gun owners that sent out an email and they were like, hey, we need help. We need people to show up and to testify. One thing I want to stay or point out is that you can testify virtually, which I think looking back might be the way to do it because you're stuck in court for like hours. And in my case, I was there for 10 hours. Um, it could be longer. It could be shorter. You don't really know, but you were sitting there and you only get, there was only one quick break and it was like five minutes, but, uh, so the long day, but I was really surprised to see how many moms demand action there were, how many, you know, people wearing red. And I don't even know how that's allowed because right when you walk into the courtroom, you're handed a, a sheet of paper and it says like what you can and cannot do. And it says that you can't wear, wear certain clothing that, you know, uh, where you identify with a certain organization, which I'm like, everyone is wearing red. Even one of the senators, <laughs> Senator Gonzalez, she showed up in a red blazer. And I'm like, D is that a coincidence? I don't think it is because she voted, you know, in favor to pass all of these bills. So it was crazy to see the amount of 
people that showed up just wearing red. That was intimidating. Um, there was, I don't know. There's just a lot of things that were very eye opening. Um, and then I do want to, I want to, I'm all over the place cause I have so much to say and I know we have limited time. <laughs> we can always do a part two, of course. But, um, but yeah, so if nothing else, I was like, man, we need more people on our side. Um, but for one of the, the, uh, proposed bill. So it was SB two, three, I think one, six, nine, it was the one that was in favor of people, victims being able to sue retailers and manufacturers. And that one actually didn't have a lot of support on the other side. And initially starting off, there was only like maybe 10 people at most that testified in favor of it. And then there was 50 plus people that testified against it. And I think the other side was like getting nervous because it was just all these testimonies, you know, uh, like back to back, were just against it. And so towards the end, you know, some people signed up to uh, testify in favor of it. But even then, these senators still vote to pass it, even though with the overwhelming majority of people who are against it. So it does seem very defeating. And but I think if anything, it just it makes me want to do more. And I hope that people who show up and do something similar have the same feeling where they don't feel defeated or they feel like their presence or their word isn't appreciated because it is. And I just think that if we get more people to do this, that I think it's going to make a difference. It absolutely would. And what kind of going off of this point, what kind of points do you want to hone into people who may be living in these states where it's difficult to advance Second Amendment legislation, except if it comes from the courts. But what are some words of advice going off of your recent experience that you want to impart to those who may be similarly struggling with that or, or needing some inspiration to to be able to go out and speak? So uh, I, I personally, you know, I have a podcast. You think I'd be a great speaker. I'm not. Sometimes I suck at it. But um, I think it's just important to not overthink things or to feel intimidated by it. One thing that I did that I realized a lot of people were quickly doing is like when they get up to testify, they just read, they already have something pre-written and they just read it. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to make sure that I get down all of my points. I'm going to write it out as people brought up new things. I'd, you know, um, uh, go back, edit, you know, my statement to reflect that. And that makes it so much easier because then when you get up there, you do get nervous. I was nervous, but it's just easy because you just have that right in front of you and you could just read it word for word and it's not as intimidating. But also it's important to know that at this point, you don't even have to, I mean, I would like for you to obviously sound intelligent, but I think just the fact of showing up and be like, I'm, I'm against this bill for X amount of reasons. And if it's short and sweet and you only have two minutes which is another thing that I didn't realize, but you only have two minutes to, you know, speak your piece. Um, but you don't have to be extremely knowledgeable on it as long as you make a, f- a few good points. And that could be easily done just by, you know, with a little bit of research and write your statement out the night before and maybe edit it as you, you know, as you're sitting there and hearing other people testify uh, for it and you want to make some points against it, you can do that. But don't let, you know, don't let the situation intimidate you. Those are good pieces of advice. Ava, where would you like people listening to connect with you? You have phenomenal social media channels. You have a great podcast. Like I mentioned, I've been a guest and you've had phenomenal guests on your show as well. You teach, 
you work with Shields, you do a lot of wonderful stuff. How can people connect with you and learn more and maybe even take a class with you if they're in the area? So I guess the best way is just go to gunfunny.com. There's links to my social media as well as my podcast. My Instagram is just Ava Flannel underscore, and that's Flannel, just one N, two L's, not flannel. Um, and uh, if you guys wanted to sign up for a class, it's just elitefiremsandtraining.com. Right now, I'm only teaching classes in Colorado Springs, but eventually, who knows, maybe I'll, you know, travel around and teach. But I would definitely love it if people, you know, took my class or followed me on social media. I think we all definitely just need to stick together and, you know, and share our experiences. Absolutely. And it's so good that we were able to connect and do this podcast, Ava. I really appreciate your involvement in the movement and what you do to inspire and also to engage new shooters. We need to expand the tent. We can't just be speaking in an echo chamber. So I really appreciate your involvement. And I hope at some point we get to connect in the future. Absolutely. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure you're connected to us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And also on your preferred player, we recommend Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us reviews if you really like the content. Share the podcast with friends who may be interested in learning more about what's trending in conservation and the related industries that entangle with it and sometimes work against it as well. Thanks for listening to the show and stay tuned for the next episode.